it's almost mystifying how much power a small item can have. Across different cultures, items have been sold and traded with tales of their healing or supernatural powers. Religious figures anoint and empower objects to ward off evil. Sports fans wear specific clothes or keep an item close to them as a sign of luck. Folktales gave power to natural items like rabbit's feet and four-leaf clovers, convincing those who find one that they'll have luck and good fortune. Everyone everywhere puts power into objects, creating talismans to suit the purpose they need it to, often for positive reasons. What happens though, when these objects are no longer beneficial? When the power they provide is meant to harm, not help? Cursed objects are just as common as blessed ones. For centuries, for as long as we've been creating healing talismans, we've also assigned cursed and negative connotations to other objects. The Apple of Eden bringing about the downfall of man. Items pulled from the tomb of King Tut. Even children's playthings, dolls and games and toys, all have been known throughout history to bring doom and despair on their owners. One of these cursed items has found its way into our hands tonight. A seemingly unassuming trinket obtained from the holy men of India. A paw said to be blessed to provide the owners their every wish and desire. Let's examine this item, turn it over, and inspect the bandage-wrapped object and make our first wish. I wish for a new story. I wish to know the dark secrets of the monkey paw. Now, grab a warm drink for this cool night. Lock the doors. Check under the bed and in the closet. Settle into your favorite seat and listen closely. It's time for another fairy tale. Once upon a time, a father and his adult son sat playing chess on a cold and windy night. The mother sat to the side, listening to the fire softly crackling, watching the two. The father, Mr. White, seemed to be tense, not focusing on the game at hand, and instead seeming to listen for sounds outdoors. As the son moves his piece into an obvious check, the gate outside creep and slams shut from the wind, causing the father to stand, declaring, He's here! Three knocks come from the door as Mr. White moves toward it, throwing it open and offering his hand to the visitor. The two exchange pleasantries, with the father offering his condolences for a recent loss as his wife frowns, disapproving at the sad talk. The father turns the stranger to the others, introducing him as Sergeant Major Morris. 
Morris shakes each of their hands, the wife, Mrs. White, and the son, and sits in the seat offered to him by the fire. The four begin to drink, the aged man's eyes beginning to brighten and grow youthful as he shares stories from his years in the army. After a particularly exciting story, the father sighs and says, I'd like to go to India myself, just to look around a bit, you know? Sergeant Major Morris takes another drink, eyes still bright. Better where you are now, he says, shaking his head. I would like to see those old temples and fakirs and the street entertainers, said the old man. What was that that you started telling me the other day about a monkey's paw or something, Morris? Nothing, said the soldier quickly. At least, nothing worth hearing. Monkey's paw, said Mrs. White curiously. Well, it's just a bit of what you might call magic, perhaps, said the sergeant major, without first stopping to think, the drinks clouding his judgment. Morris takes a small, bandage-wrapped paw from his pocket, placing it on the table. The three adults crowd around, lifting and inspecting it. Mr. White, holding it and turning it in his hands, asks what's so special about such a small item. It had a spell put on it by an old fakir, said the sergeant major, a very holy man. He wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives, and that those who tried to change it would be sorry. He put a spell on it so that three different men could ha each have three wishes from it. Light laughter fills the small room and tapers off quickly as they realize that the man did not join them. Well, why don't you have three, sir? said Herbert cleverly. The soldier looked at him the way that the middle-aged usually look at disrespectful youth. I have, he said quietly, and his face whitened. And did you really have the three wishes granted? asked Mrs. White. I did, said the sergeant major, and his glass tapped strong against his teeth. And has anybody else wished? continued the old lady. The first man had his three wishes, yes, was the reply. I don't know what the first two were, but the third was for death. That's how I got the paw. His voice was so serious that the group fell quiet. The silence lingered, the group growing uncomfortable, until Morris sighed and tossed the paw into the fire. Mr. White, with a slight cry, quickly bent down and took it out. Better let it burn, said the soldier sadly but in a way that let them know he believed it to be true. If you don't want it, Morris, said the other, give it to me. I won't, said his friend with stubborn determination. I threw it on the fire. If you keep it, don't hold me responsible for what happens. Throw it in the fire like a sensible man. The other shook his head and examined his possession closely. How do you do it, he asked. Hold it up in your right hand, and state your wish out loud so that you can be heard, said the sergeant major. But I warn you of what might happen. If you must wish, wish for something sensible. Mr. White pocketed the paw, feeling the weight of it despite its small size. The group sat at the table and began eating. The talisman forgotten as they resumed the earlier storytelling and tales of the sergeant major's time in India. The evening winded down to a close as Morris bid his farewells and made his way out into the growing storm, desperate to catch the last train back home. The three saw him off, 
then retired into their sitting room once again, warming themselves by the fire as the father pulled the talisman back out. I don't know what to wish for, and that's a fact, he said slowly. It seems to me I've gotten all I want. If you only paid off the house, you'd be quite happy, wouldn't you? said Herbert, with his hand on his shoulder. Well, wish for 200 pounds then, that'll just do it. His father, smiling, and with an embarrassed look for his foolishness in believing the soldier's story, held up the talisman. Herbert, with a serious face, spoiled only by a quick smile to his mother, sat down at the piano and struck a few grand chords. I wish for 200 pounds, said the old man clearly. A fine crash from the piano greeted his words, broken by a frightened cry from the old man. His wife and son ran toward him. It moved, he cried, with a look of horror at the object as it lay on the floor. As I wished, it twisted in my hand like a snake. Well, I don't see the money, said his son as he picked it up and placed it on the table, and I bet I never shall. The father laughed nervously, eyeing the paw. He joined his son by the fire, trying to keep the paw off his mind as they smoked pipes together. Moments passed in silence until Herbert stands, wishing his parents a good night. I expect you'll find the cash tied up in a big bag in the middle of your bed, said Herbert as he moved up the stairs, and something horrible sitting on top of your wardrobe, watching you as you pocket your ill-gotten money. The next morning arrived with no signs of any mysterious bags of money. In the cool, crisp morning light, it was much easier for the family to laugh off the events of the night before, sure that the old soldier was leading them on with fanciful tales. The pot itself was thrown into a cupboard, the family ready to forget it and move on. They continued to joke and laugh about it as Herbert readied himself for work. Don't break into the money before I come back, he said as he rose from the table to go to work. I'm afraid it'll turn you into a mean, greedy old man, and we shall have to tell everyone that we don't know you. His mother leads him out laughing and watched him go down the walk and down the street. The two continue on their day as normal, the paw mostly forgotten. As the day passed on, the mother noticed a strange man hanging around outside, stopping at their gate, touching it unsure of what he wants to do before leaving again. He repeats this twice more before finally pushing through the gate and making his way up to the front door. Mrs. White opens the door at his knocking. She can sense his uncomfortableness and unease washes over her as well. Apologizing for the state of her home, she brings the stranger inside, offering him a drink and a seat, both of which he takes. I was asked to call, he said at last, and bent down, picked a piece of cotton from his trousers. I come from Ma and Megan's. The old lady jumped suddenly, as in alarm. Is anything the matter? she asked breathlessly. Has anything happened to Herbert? What is it? What is it? Her husband spoke before he could answer. There, there, mother, he said hurriedly. Sit down and don't jump to a conclusion. You have not brought bad news, I'm sure, sir and eyed the other, expecting that it was bad news, but hoping he was wrong. I'm sorry, began the visitor. Is he hurt? demanded the mother wildly. The visitor lowered and raised his head once in agreement. Badly hurt, he said quietly, but he is not in pain. 
Oh, thank God, said the old woman, pressing her hands together tightly. Thank God for that. Think. She broke off as the tragic meaning of the part about him not being in pain came to her. The man had turned his head slightly so as not to look directly at her, but she saw the awful truth in his face. She caught her breath and turning to her husband, who did not yet understand the man's meaning, laid her shaking hand on his. There was a long silence. He was caught in the machinery, said the visitor at length in a low voice. Caught in the machinery, reported Mr. White, too shocked to think clearly. Yes. He sat, staring out the window and taking his wife's hand before his own pressed it as he used to do when he was trying to win her love in the time before they were married, nearly forty years before. He was the only one left to us, he said, turning gently to the visitor. It is hard. The other coughed, and rising, walked slowly to the window. The firm wishes me to pass on the great sadness about your loss, he said without looking round. I ask that you to please understand that I am only their servant and simply doing what they told me to do. There was no reply. The old woman's face was white, her eyes staring, and her breath unheard. On the husband's face was a look such as his friend the sergeant major might have carried into his first battle. I was to say that Maud Meggins accept no responsibility, continued the other. But although they don't believe that they have a legal requirement to make a payment to you for your loss, in view of their son's services, they wish to present you with a certain sum. Mr. White dropped his wife's hands and, rising to his feet, stared with a look of horror at his visitor. His dry lips shaped the words, How much? Two hundred pounds was the answer. Without hearing his wife's screams, the old man smiled weakly put out his hands like a blind man, and fell, a senseless mass, to the floor. The funeral came and went quickly as the old couple buried their son in a local cemetery some two miles away. The days passed in a haze, neither knowing quite how to proceed with their lives having outlived their only kin. A week later the old man woke with a start. The night was cold, and the bed felt empty, causing him alarm. He sat up, looking around wildly, until he found his wife crying lightly at the window. In her hand, she held the monkey paw. I only just thought of it, she said, whispering in the dark. Why didn't I think of it before? Why didn't you think of it? Think of what, he questioned. The other two wishes, he, she replied quickly. We've only had one. Was not that enough? he demanded angrily. No, she cried excitedly. We'll have one more. Her husband struck a match and lit the candle. Get back to bed, he said, his voice shaking. You don't know what you're saying. We had the first wish granted, said the old woman desperately. Why not the second? Coincidence, said the old man. The woman hands the paw over to him. Make the wish, cried his wife shaking with excitement. The old man turned and looked at her and his voice shook. He has been dead ten days, and besides, he I would not tell you before, but I could only recognize him by his clothing. If he was too terrible for you to see then, how now? 
bring him back cried the old woman tears streaming down her face desperation in her voice he holds the pawn in his hand wanting to throw it away burn it like morris warned him to his wife's face was white and expectant and to his fears seemed to have an unnatural look upon it he was afraid of her wish she cried in a strong voice it is foolish and wicked he said weakly wish repeated his wife he raised his hand i wish my son alive again the talisman fell to the floor and he looked at it afraid moments passed no sound except for the wind itself the candle he had lit began to sputter as the flame reached the bottom finally putting itself out the old man hopeful that this time the paw had failed lay back in bed his wife joined him and they lay quiet and still neither spoke but lay silently listening to the ticking of the clock they heard nothing else other than the normal night sounds the darkness was depressing and after lying for some time building up his courage the husband took the box of matches and lighting one went downstairs for another candle at the foot of the stairs the match went out and he stopped to light another and at the same moment a knock sounded on the front door it was so quiet that it could only be heard downstairs as if the one knocking wanted to keep their coming a secret the matches fell from his hand he stood motionless not even breathing until the knock was repeated then he turned and ran quickly back to his room and closed the door behind him a third knock sounded through the house what's that cried the old woman sitting up quickly a, a rat said the old man shakily a rat it passed me on the stairs his wife sat up in bed listening a loud knock echoed through the house it's herbert she screamed it's herbert she ran to the door but her husband was there before her and catching her by the arm held her tightly what are you going to do he asked in a low scared voice it's my boy it's herbert she cried struggling automatically i forgot it was two miles away what are you holding me for let go i must open the door for god's sakes don't let it in cried the old man shaking with fear you're afraid of your own son she cried struggling let me go i'm coming herbert i'm coming there was another knock and another the old woman with a sudden pull broke free and ran from the room her husband followed to the top of the stairs and called after her as she hurried down he heard the chain pulled back and the bottom lock open the old woman's voice desperate breathing heavily the top lock she cried loudly come down i can't reach it but her husband was on his hands and knees feeling around wildly on the floor in search of the paw if only he could find it before the thing outside got in the knocks came very quickly now echoing through the house and he heard the noise of his wife moving a chair and putting it down against the door he heard the movement of the lock as she began to open it and at the same time he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his third and last wish the knocking stopped suddenly although the echoes of it were still in the house he heard the chair pulled back and the door open a cold wind blew up the staircase 
and a long, loud cry of disappointment and pain from his wife gave him the courage to run down to her side and then to the gate. The streetlight opposite shone on a quiet and deserted road. Be careful what you wish for is one of the most common phrases spoken across generations and cultures. Spoken as a way to warn others that their desires could lead to unintended consequences, the phrase and theme has been seen in many different mediums. In theology, we find the Jewish people complaining that while other nations have kings, they are left with judges and poor leaders. They beg and plead for a king of their own to follow despite the warnings that they would not enjoy having a human king. Over the next few generations, king after king came into power, ruled, and fell, until the Israelites grew tired, realizing that maybe having a mortal king wasn't the best plan. Folk tales are full of stories warning people about idle wishes. In The Seven Ravens, a father wishes for his sons to become ravens due to their forgetfulness, despite it being his mistake for why they messed up. Aesop's Fables explores the story of a bee who goes to Zeus, asking for a weapon to defend her honey from those who wish to steal it. In response, he gives her a barbed stinger, but due to the selfish nature of her request, plants it in her abdomen so it will tear from her body if she uses it. Finally, in one of the more famous instances of wishes gone awry, we can find King Midas. A legend in Greek mythology, Midas was the monarch of an ancient Greek land called Phrygia. His servants brought an old drunken satyr to him, whom he recognized and made a guest of the kingdom. For over a week, they partied and danced, until finally the satyr was ready to leave, but not before granting Midas a reward for his hospitality. He wishes for his touch to turn anything to gold, a wish that's granted. He immediately tries out his new gift, and finds that it works, much to his delight. He begins touching everything around him, his excitement growing with each new gold object. Midas orders a grand feast to celebrate with his subjects. However, as he reaches across the table to grab his food, it too turns to gold. Realization sets in, understanding that the gift was a bane and cursed his wish. Of course, one of the most famous stories of being careful what you wish for is our own frightful tale of the monkey's paw. Published in a collection of short stories titled The Lady of the Barge, The Monkey's Paw became an immediate success. While most of authors W.W. Jacobs' stories were humorous, this story allowed him to achieve some fame and put his name down in the horror community for decades. The story itself has been retold and modified many times since its incarnation the earliest as a one-act play in 1903. 
Many more plays were commissioned throughout the years, one arriving in audio format, hosted by Christopher Lee in 2004, as well as an opera released in October 2017. The silver screen hosted the macabre tale of the cursed talisman as films were produced, spanning multiple countries and cultures. On April 19, 1965, one of the purveyors of horror and thriller films, Alfred Hitchcock, showcased the story and a retelling of the story on the 26th episode of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. There was also a more modern retelling of the story in the 2013 horror movie by the same name. The tale has had its own impact on storylines to match the general theme of careful wishing as well. Tales of the Crypt and Are You Afraid of the Dark, both horror anthology shows, had episodes and stories dedicated to cursed talismans that granted wishes. The Twilight Zone and Cartoon Network's Adventure Time play on this theme by using a genie, creatures we will certainly revisit in future episodes, to help grant the wishes. The 2017 horror movie, Wish Upon, twisted the tale to make the talisman a box that granted seven wishes. In the film, the young protagonist continues to make selfish wishes, wanting her life to be better. With each wish, someone close to her dies, a kind of payment for granting her desires. As the deaths mount up, leading to her own father's demise, she makes a final wish to go back to before he found her her the box. Her wish is granted, but she herself is killed as her bully runs over her to pay the final blood price. Finally, the master of horror himself, Stephen King, took a different part of the monkey's paw story and crafted what is regarded as one of his best novels, Pet Cemetery. In the novel, a family moves into a new home and discovers a dark secret, a local cursed cemetery. They soon discover that the cemetery will return anything back to life that's buried in it, a gift they learn is very tainted. Upon the death of a beloved family cat, they bury him in the cemetery, with the feline returning to them soon after. However, they notice that he is not as lively and active as he was previously, and he smells like death. Lewis, the protagonist, begins to regret his decision. Months later, his two-year-old son, Gage, is the victim of a speeding truck in an accident that Lewis is unable to prevent. Distraught and racked with guilt, he finally decides to move the son's body to the pet cemetery, despite the warnings issued to him. Sure enough, the child returns, but in a much more demonic form, killing his mother and a neighbor who had been helping them. Lewis is able to stop the demon Gage, returning him back to his grave, now alone. The threat is over. Lewis makes one final decision, hoping that the shorter period between death and resurrection will have a much different result on his now deceased wife. He buries her and returns home, sitting to play a game of solitaire, his back to the door. 
The creak of the door behind him causes him to pause as a hand rests on his shoulder, while his dead wife's voice rasps, Darling. Fury Tales is written and produced by me. Music is provided by Nicholas Gasparini. New episodes will be released every Wednesday. If you enjoy the show, please share with your family and friends who may be interested, and subscribe yourself on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, as well as rate and review. Every bit of feedback is valuable to me, and I will be sure to give you a shout-out on a future show. I've also started a Patreon to help with some of the costs of hosting this podcast. While I do enjoy what I do and look forward to continuing to provide you with chilling tales and histories, I do want to make sure I can deliver the best possible quality to you, as well as provide extra content and episodes to those who are interested in seeing more of what goes into this. The link is in the show notes below. And be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FearyTales13. And remember, the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft